Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. You're here today with Kara Williard, and you can check out everything else we are doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. All right, well, I am here today for another installment of a very deep dive on boot fitting. So today we have part four with Jake, aka Fossa Nelson. Now, this one is a little different, folks. Fossa works at the Moment Factory, but he also happens to run one of the best boot fitting shops in the Reno area. Jake talks us through his unique background in fitting running shoes, which informed his approach to boot fitting. And now he talks about how he specializes in a big mountain free ride approach to boot fitting. We cover a lot of topics in this one, and we follow up on some of the common questions we have had throughout the series. Jake has some really interesting takes on the world of boot fitting, as well as things to consider before you go and jam your foot into your boots for this upcoming season. Before we get going, this episode of Gear 30 is brought to you by Open Snow. I want to let you know that Open Snow is offering our Blister audience an exclusive offer. You can test drive Open Snow's best features with a free 60-day trial. This includes comparing 10-day snow forecasts for some of your favorite ski resorts, tracking incoming storms and estimated snowfall with high-resolution weather maps, and daily analysis from their team of local forecasters, and a whole lot more, and you can do this by going to opensnow.com backslash blister. That's opensnow.com backslash blister. For those like me who are already beginning to obsessively check forecasts maybe more than once a day, there really is no better or more customizable resource than Open Snow. And with that, let's get right into my conversation with Fossa and his approach to big mountain free ride boot fitting. All right. Well, I am here today with Jake, aka Fossa Nelson, to talk more about boots. And I'm super stoked to have him here today for part four. We're going to continue the kind of boot nerd trajectory that we've been on for the last several episodes and also just try and get a better idea of Fossa's approach to boot fitting and some of his background. All right. So Fossa, welcome to Gear 30. Thanks for joining me here today. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, it's exciting to have you here. And I know you have kind of an interesting background into how you got into boot fitting. So let's just jump into that a little bit as far as uh, how you ended up where you are today. Sure. Um, so I kind of, I mean, I feel like every bootfitters kind of got their, oh, I didn't take the normal track uh, story um, of how they got into it. It's kind of funny bootfitters. I kind of feel like it's always like the, the island of misfit toys a little bit. Um, but uh, I started bootfitting because I worked at like a big box sorting goods store uh, when I was in high school, like selling running shoes. Um, and I sold running shoes for years. And then uh, basically was just like asked if I wanted to be the boot fitter and they said it came with a pay raise. So I said, yes, I'd love to learn to fit boots. And they said, well, you're the boot fitter now. And, uh, there was no training. So, um, it was just kind of a self-taught thing from there. Um, but obviously like knew a lot about feet and about how people's feet, uh, works, um, you know, biomechanically, like by just from doing shoes for years. Um, and then I, a few years later ended up, uh, leaving and going to a, uh, going to a ski specific shop. Um, and got a little bit of training there, but mostly was just kind of like learning on the fly and, uh, yeah, just kind of like continued to build the knowledge over years and, uh, had some instruction from some mentors and would also just like go get my boots fit by a different fitter every year, um, you know, and pick things up along the way. Um, so, I mean, you know, 15 years later, still fitting boots and kind of, you know, building as we go. 
Yeah, that's super cool. And I feel like I can relate to that story quite a bit. You know, I also started in a pretty large store and was just kind of thrown into the mix. And of course, it just takes like years, I feel like, to kind of develop and hone those skills. But another huge part that I can relate to is the mentorship aspect. So it's really cool to have those mentors in the world of boot fitting and to kind of pick things up and, you know, see different approaches and different methods and kind of take all that into your toolkit and also refine your own method and kind of translate that to how you want um, your boot fitting style to look based on everything you've learned. Absolutely. It's like you learn a lot from, you know, you learn a lot from those mentors and those people. And there's also, you know, plenty that you, you know, watch and learn what they're doing. And you're like, you know what, I don't really agree with that, or that doesn't really work for me. Um, And kind of, you know, over the years, figuring out which, you know, which aspects you're going to hang on to and which aspects you're going to let go and dismiss. Yeah. And I think that's an important note to hit too, because it is an evolving practice. And so I think we'll dive a little bit more into this later on in the episode, but um, kind of taking a style of boot fitting that has been specifically adapted to racing and then also trying to kind of translate that over to a lot of the other types of skiing that we are seeing. And you guys definitely have a real handle on that. Um, So that being said, how about you talk about the shop that you work in now and how does the boot fitting side of the shop that you're in look? Yeah, so I work at uh, Moment Skis. Uh, we have a factory store here that we obviously sell our skis, um, but also we kind of sell like all the hard goods that we that we endorse and we use and we recommend. Um, so it's a little bit kind of different feel from most shops in that we don't have all the odds and ends. We have just the hard goods. Um, so just bindings, boots, skis, and then some stuff for, for touring as well. But it's a little bit different in that, like, I'm free to put only the boots on the wall that I, you know, I feel are the best and I feel work for the most amount of people. And we have the luxury of being a shop that's definitely more like free ride and more performance focused. And that means that like our boot wall looks a lot different than most boot walls uh, in other shops. Like I worked at uh, Christie Sports for years and, you know, we'd have a 130 or two on the wall or at least able to order, but most of the stuff, you know, was 90s or 110s, 120s. Um, Cause that's what most consumers, um, you know, are looking for when they come in the door. But um, out at the moment, obviously better, very different customer base, different goals, different performance objectives. So it means it wouldn't, that gets reflected in, uh, in how we run our boot fitting program out here. So um, like every boot on our wall, is a 130 um, or a 115 for ladies or a 105. Basically, the the stiffest, high, highest performance model from each brand in each category, and then just only using the brands and the models that you know I have skied or uh, find work very well for people's feet. And that's you know I think really valuable because it means that you can really tell a customer exactly what to expect. You know, this is why this boot is different. This out fits. This out feels. This out skis. I think that. A lot of times it gets a little bit lost in the boot fitting world that like boots do ski differently, not, you know, in addition to how they fit and function and everything else, like it is helpful to be able to tell the customer that and be like, you know, this is, you're going to feel the difference in your skiing in this, this capacity. And so we kind of like line up our, the you know, I line up the boot fitting program very much with kind of the same methodology and the same take that we use at moment in our ski design. And that is the, what we kind of, we like to call North American free ride. Um, Basically, just wider platforms, more rocker, more progressive mount points, fairly stout profiles. Um, basically, for people that are skiing, 
you know, aggressively and primarily spending a lot of their time off trail. Um, not to say that they don't get on trail plenty, but, you know, the ability to go everywhere all the time um, or kind of have an all wheel drive at every ski is kind of like what we like to say. And that's reflected in the boots. Um, you know, we have a, a pretty large collection of boots. I'd say like one of the largest in the area, pretty diverse, but all of the boots are kind of the boots we put on the wall are very much to kind of further those same goals and, you know, kind of chase those same performance objectives. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think it's, you know, really cool that you have taken on a very specialized approach. You kind of know the clientele that you're targeting. Um, We'll talk maybe a bit more about who you're fitting. I know you mentioned when we were talking previously about fitting the athlete team for a moment and probably a lot of other really, you know, hardcore big mountain skiers. I'd love to hear a bit more about that. But having that specialty approach is really interesting. And you know, just being able to admit that, you know, maybe you're not there to fit everyone, but you're really like going to get the fit right for the people who are coming to you. Um, so I guess just talk a little bit more like mechanically, functionally, what's going on as far as the considerations you're taking into boot fitting when it comes to the free ride approach to boot fitting. So when it comes to driving wider skis and maybe, you know, having a little bit um, more varied snow conditions or, you know, hitting big cliffs, whatever those factors are, like what are the things that you're taking into consideration versus maybe someone who's like fitting from a race perspective? Sure. So I think that's kind of where things can get get pretty different. You know, a lot of schools of boot fitting thought, you know, they all kind of come from that race background and and for good reason. You know, that's where the experience is, that's where the the expertise is and that's where so much of the knowledge comes from. But in you know in rate in the racing world or in that kind of school of thought, if you will, you know, everything is about power transfer. Um, how do we get from edge to edge as fast as possible? Um, how do we get the maximum amount of power through the turn? You know, so we can we can make racers more successful. And you see a lot of that. Uh, you know, it's that's a lot of that kind of same technique or same methodology is still applied to customers, right? We want to get them from edge to edge faster. You know, we're going to have. You know, we're going to be very concerned about making sure everything is lined up properly. We want fits to be very precise. And of course, you'll always make allowances depending on your customer, right? If you have a customer that's more comfort oriented, you'll, you know, fit them a little bit less precisely. But at the end of the day, when you're fitting for uh, like more free ride or big mountain or you know, kind of new school styles of skiing, um, at the end of the day, like power transfer is not the primary goal. Um, it's still super important. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, you're skiing, you know, mostly off trail. And you're not always just looking to go from one edge to the other edge, like as fast as possible, right? Like, especially like on the big mountain side of things, like a lot of people are going to, you know, charge and smash and then toss the entire ski sideways to bleed speed and then bring it back and point down the fall line again. Um, they're not arcing perfect turns. And so it's okay to give up some power transfer in pursuit of stability. So you kind of, uh, in my mind, like do a few things uh, differently. It's like we're okay to give up a little bit of power transfer in, uh, you know, in exchange to getting more stability and to getting a little bit more like planted, if you will, or uh, a stable platform. And then we also like in the kind of more free ride space are going to focus on shock absorption um, a lot more, right? If you're kind of fitting for racing, um, we're going to let the racer's legs soak that up. Um, right. We want to just get them from edge to edge as fast as possible. And, you know, pre- precision and alignment are super important when you're skiing on two dimensional snow. But as soon as you start skiing on three dimensional snow, it's a whole different ballgame. Um, you have to worry about that ski getting knocked around in a 
lot of different directions and you need to be able to provide your skier with the tools that, you know, coming out of the air and landing in uneven snow and uneven terrain, you know, maybe with their weight, not where it should be, they need to be able to find the stability and recover quickly. And that means that in, you know, situations like that, the precision and the perfect alignment that you have in a boot that's fit more towards like a racer or more towards that kind of like race technique or school of thought, a lot of those things start to work against you in those circumstances, right? You have someone that comes off of a cliff and lands in chop and they're slightly back seat and overloading the you know tail of their right ski. If that boot is super, super dialed in and precise, that boot is going to try and make that ski turn quickly. And, uh, you know, if you need to be able to keep it under you and pull that out and stay on your feet and get right into the next feature without bleeding too much speed, it's super important that you, you know, you make that stability um, and that shock absorption a priority. Um, you know, and that's also true for people that are not like competing, but are just skiing off trail in general, right? Like you're skiing through chop, like you don't want that incredibly precise, like super fast engagement you get out of, uh, you know, like a boot you'd use or was fit for carbon, right? On just front side, like you need a little bit of allowance for that uh, sloppiness and the deflection that's going to happen in that kind of, uh, in that kind of terrain. So it just means that you, you know, you kind of approach things a little bit differently. And uh, the kind of fortunate thing I think um, that I've found is there's a lot of crossover between that world of kind of free ride and, and, uh, you know, free ride, new school or progressive skiing and uh, comfort for customers, right? Like it's, it kind of accomplishes the same things um, and that you're just going to be a little bit less precise in certain areas or make little bits of allowances, you know, for stability. But often that means that, you know, you can allow customers to spend a longer amount of time in their boots being comfortable or like hiking or walking around. And so for a lot of just everyday skiers and everyday customers, like that's a great thing, right? They can go, they can go to the bar in their ski boots and not be, not be dying at the end of the day. Yeah. I think these are some really interesting distinctions and maybe things that people haven't thought about before, as far as like the way kind of the school of thought of boot fitting has applied to different types of skiing. And so I think you've just pointed out several factors that are going to give people something to think about as far as, you know, maybe the differences of precision versus suspension and shock absorption. And so I'd be curious for you to kind of dive into maybe some of those factors and how you're actually building those into the ski boot itself. So for example, I know I have pretty rigid biomechanics and I'm always looking to have as much shock absorption in my ski boots as possible. And I've found different materials and different things that work really well for me to do that. But maybe just point out like some of the things that you're considering as far as building like shock absorption into the system or just in general, more comfort into the system versus maybe that really precise race approach? Sure. Um, so I think like the kind of the first thing that I try and do, right, is like your foot and your lower leg, like that's a really complex system of, you know, skeletal and soft tissue. Like there's a lot going on there. Um, and for good reason, like, you know, feet do an incredible job of getting us everywhere, you know, walking, running, yeah. stabilizing us, allowing us to balance Thanks. and everything else. Thanks, Pete. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, uh, you know, it's, they're, they're, you know, pretty incredible biomechanical devices. Um, so I, my approach is kind of like, I think that the best way is like, let's let that system function as it should. Right. Mm -hmm. um, let's use that foot. Let's use that, you know, leg muscle. Let's rely on all of that to 
help us with as much, um, you know, as much stability and as much suspension and control as possible. Um, rather than like trying to rely completely on the mechanics of the boot or completely on the mechanics of the footbed. And, you know, obviously that varies from foot to foot and from person to person, but basically I like to make sure that the, the foot can be positioned in a pretty natural way in the boot. You can totally get more quickness edged edge, right? If we build that footbed up and we kind of like get that talus to neutral, like we can get more speed edged edge for sure. But it means that the foot is in a little bit of an unnatural position, you know, because the position that's most effective for skiing, like that's not the same position that's most effective for, for walking and running. It's not how our foot developed, right? So I'm kind of a big proponent of let's get that foot into the most natural position possible. And that basically means like, we're going to spend a little bit more time with that shell fit and, you know, checking length and checking width and everything else. But, um, you know, we want to make sure that that foot can sit pretty centered in that, in that shell overall. And then we're going to kind of build, build around that. Um, I'm probably like a little bit more picky with shells as a result, because we're trying to let that foot sit in there pretty naturally. And as a result, I really don't like to like solve a problem with like a new liner or like adding things to the liner. Uh, I'm kind of a little, I guess, old school in that way that like, I'm going to try and find the shell that is the right, the right uh, solution and the combination of shell and footbed. And then, you know, use a liner to optimize, add a liner later, and you can always add foam and add things as needed. But typically, like if someone comes in and is like, I'm looking for a boot for X, Y, and Z. There's probably a shell out there that's pretty close. And I'd much rather like spend a little more time and find the shell that is pretty close to the shape and the natural position of their foot than throw in something that's like decently close and like add J bars, right? Or add something else. Um, and I think especially with the kind of like leaps and bounds that like Solomon and Atomic specifically have made, like in the moldable shells, you can it, you can kind of do that for most people now. I mean, it used to be a lot harder, uh, but you can definitely yeah, get it's pretty huge. close. It's definitely, it's definitely changed our job as boot fitters having that advantage as far as custom moldable shells. Totally. It's, it's an absolute <laughs> game changer. Yeah. So like, I guess like kind of what I do is like someone comes in and, you know, I'll take measurements on the feet, just like everyone else does, you know, Brannock, measure the last and stuff, all that. But I'm typically going to put them in a uh, boot that's slightly too narrow for them first. Um, and just because like, that's the best way for me to like gather data. I'm going to shell off, shelf at them, you know, warm the liners up, throw them on and have them hang out in the boot and tell me what bothers them. Um, knowing, you know, knowing that it's too narrow. And I tell them that I'm like, this boot's too narrow for you. Um, but it's going to tell me where we need to go bigger and what's going on about your feet. It's going to give me really good information so I can put you in the next boot. It is going to be a lot more of an educated guess rather than just based solely on your measurements. And then we pull the boot uh, off the foot and pull the sock off and like, look at the foot. And like, it's super easy. It's like, okay, like here's where you're red. This is where you have pressure. Here's where you're white. We have so much pressure. We've lost blood flow here. Let's chase it down. Let's find why, uh, why you're losing blood flow. And I think like circulation is super important for someone who wants to spend, you know, 10 hours in their boot, not three, right. Very different customer. And then based on like where, you know, where you, you look red or white or based on what the the feedback the you know the customer's providing then we can grab another boot that solves you know those those issues and kind of work our way like wider and wider as we go right like even if someone's foot measures super wide i'm not going to go grab the we call them dallas boots off the uh off the shelf first right we're going to start them a little narrow and kind of work our way up yeah that's really interesting and you know i think the big takeaway here is that there is several different approaches but 
most boot fitters are all working towards that same end goal. And I think one important thing you just noted there is like the foot can tell you so much. So even just for listeners who are really struggling with a specific issue or a hotspot or a pressure point, like one of the best things you can do is stand in your ski boot for a while, take your sock off, look at your foot, and you're going to learn a whole lot about what's going on in regard to how much pressure or, you know, like you said, as far as numbness and circulation. And I actually think we might come back to the circulation aspect because that's one we've had questions on. And I think there's a lot that can be said there. But before we go too far, I know you have a background in running and fitting running shoes. And so I just was hoping you could kind of walk through some of those variances as far as, you know, the biomechanics of the foot when running versus skiing, but then some of how your background in running has informed the way you approach boot fitting. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, in large part, like pretty responsible for the kind of reason I fit uh, in the way that I do. Um, So like fitting running shoes for years um, and just like running myself, um, you know, you, you see a lot of people, a lot of issues with people's feet and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of solutions that people will find right in different types of footwear. Um, And kind of like the background and all of that, uh, for me, led me down kind of the rabbit hole that is like minimalist footwear um, or like, you know, barefoot footwear, if you will. Um, and that's basically just kind of, you know, taking the natural structure of the foot to an extreme, like just completely relying on the foot to pick up all the slack. And it's pretty interesting, like with running shoes, especially like how much you'll see people's feet change over time, depending on the type of shoe that they get into. Uh, you see people get into a shoe where they need tons of support because they, you know, overpronate and they get into shoes that have more support than their old shoes. They come back for their next pair and their pronation is worse. Um, you see it get worse. Um, or you see someone, you know, decide they want less support in a shoe and then they come back in three months later and they're like, this shoe has way more support than I want, even though it had less than their last pair, right? You see feet change. So that kind of like, that like learning that and seeing that and then like, you know, kind of going down the rabbit hole for my own use with uh, minimalist footwear um, just kind of like gives you a much better understanding of like what the foot is capable and like how adaptive it is um, and how much it can tell you. Um, so what I always kind of like to say or like to think about is like, I like super minimalist shoes. I love uh, the guys here always give me a hard time. They tell me I wear clown shoes. They're like super thin, really wide. Let those toes splay out. Uh, I want to feel the ground under me. Um, you know, super, super minimalist, like natural footwear. Um, that's what feet like, you know, every day when we're moving around. A ski boot is like the most maximalist piece of footwear you can get, right? It is completely rigid. You only get movement when you deform the plastic, like when you are, you know, actually like causing the shape to change or like if you're in an AT boot, like you have a mechanical hinge, right? That allows you to, allows you to go through a stride. And... or. Or you get movement if the boot is incre- the wrong size, perhaps. <laughs> totally. Yeah, you got the uh, the slipper fits and you can get a fist behind their heel and their shell fit. <laughs> like, yeah, you get plenty of movement in there. So like taking that like minimalist approach and like being like, okay, we want it, we want the foot to be as natural as possible. And then just like checking ourselves and being like, a ski boot is never going to be natural. Like it is, is it's as maximalist as it, as it gets. And it's because we are doing something with our feet that our feet didn't develop to do, right? Um you know, you're going to measure the width of your foot weighted and you're going to measure the weight of your foot unweighted. And you're always going to see a change, right? That foot's going to expand when you add weight. That's just your body weight. If you go into a corner at 30 or 40 miles an hour through 
you know, heavy crud in coastal snow and you're turning super hard, all your weights on one foot on the outside edge, like your foot's going to totally change shape. So kind of checking ourselves and be like, all right, we want to rely on the foot to be as natural as possible and like use the tools that are already there. But with the understanding that like the foot did not develop to, to ski. And so we basically need to find a way to use the tools in the foot that are already there, but understand that the foot likes to move and we're trying to keep it completely, uh, you know, completely stable, completely stationary. So that's kind of like, I guess, how the running like uh, kind of comes together. And it's weird. Those two worlds kind of clash quite a bit. One's all about movement and the other one is not, but it's both feet. And, and there's a lot of crossover and a lot of things you can learn from both and apply to the other. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And of course, as boot fitters, you know, we're walking the line of like, we're not podorthists or anything like that. So we're, it's never about like trying to actually correct something. But I think you hit on it there at the end as far as like just trying to build stability into the system because the stable foot is obviously going to have a better time in that rigid environment. Um, and so that is maybe where there's that bit of difference between like being encased in the rigid environment that is a ski boot versus a running shoe. There's obviously like some major distinctions there, but I think it's interesting to think about. And maybe for those who are kind of interested in like what you brought up in the beginning about how maybe like trying to, you know, get a really supportive shoe to fix an overpronation problem, what might be going on like muscularly or biomechanically that could actually be making that worse and maybe not the direction that people need to go? Like as far as maybe you know, allowing certain weaker muscle groups to stay weak versus, I don't know, there's just a lot that can go into that when you kind of think of it holistically. So I'm wondering if you have any thoughts there as far as what people might think of as far as a more minimal approach being better in some cases. Yeah. So there's, I mean, feet are super adaptable, right? Um, they're going to, they're going to adapt and they're going to adjust to what they have. Um, it's like the worst, the worst feet that I see other than like ballerinas, which kind of goes without saying, but the word, like the people with the worst feet I see is typically lawyers. Um, and it's because they're in a dress shoe most of the day and they're on their feet most of the day. And the combination of having a, you know, a, a fashionable shoe, a shoe that's narrow in the toe box and pointy combined with a heel, you know, for men or women, most dress shoes have a bit of a heel. Um, that basically means that we are preventing the foot from doing what it wants to do. The foot wants to spread out, wants to sit flat. Those metatarsals and toes want to expand, reach the ground, and give us a big, nice, stable platform. And we are stuffing all of the toes really close against each other. So we're in that narrow toe box, and we're lifting the heel. And so we're putting more weight on the forefoot than is typically there. And so what happens is the foot tries to adjust. The foot tries to stabilize and two things happen. The foot tries to reach the floor. So your arch comes down. Um, your, your arch is overloaded on one, you know, on the forefoot. Um, it can't support itself as it normally would. And it wants a bigger platform on the ground. So you're more stable. So you don't put your, you know, your knees and your hips and everything else at risk. Right. And so the arch comes down and the bunions come out, your metatarsals spread out They try and reach the ground. And that's why so many people that spend so much time in dress shoes or heels, um, you know, they come in, they're like, yeah, I've got these really nasty bunions. Um, you know, I need to get them removed. And, you know, if you completely forgo, you know, fashionable shoes completely and go like all the way down the like barefoot, you know, wide toe box, super low stack, super flexible uh, type of footwear, 
your foot will adjust back. Like your bunions will come back in. It hurts and it takes a long time because your foot has become accustomed to something else. Um, but feet are super adaptable. And I think that, uh, kind of one thing to keep in mind, especially like if you're someone who runs a lot or, you know, just spends a lot of time on your feet is whatever you put your feet into, like your feet are going to adjust and they're going to adapt to that type of footwear. Um, you know, think about how an arch works like in architecture. It's capable of supporting a ton, ton of weight, um, you know, without touching the ground right underneath it. But if you push up on the bottom of that arch in the middle, it gets pretty weak and it will collapse right away, right? You push the keys down to that, that top portion of the arch out from the bottom and it, it collapses, it falls right in. And the same thing is true with feet, right? You add more arch support, you push that arch up, your body says, well, we don't have to rely on the strength of this muscle anymore. We have this, you know, this artificial support that's there. And then as soon as you pull your foot out of that shoe, your arch can't support itself anymore. Your foot has learned that it doesn't need to do that. And you see that sometimes happen. Like, you know, people talk about different people that have like, you know, super rigid or super flexible feet, you know, often, not always, but oftentimes people that have really rigid feet to wear really supportive footwear, their foot doesn't have to move right to, to account for anything. Um, but, you know, like I had a, I had a customer in here um, the other day that he came in cause he had been having some pain in his AT boot that we set up last year. Um, and in putting his ski socks and getting ready, to you know, go through a refit, he was like, oh, you know, I, I still feel this really tender place. Like maybe this isn't the ski boot. And we kind of dive into like what he's experiencing and what's going on. And uh, sure enough, he kind of, we got to a point where I was like, he's like, I, I need to work on my feet. Like I'll come back to address the fit issue. This isn't a fit issue. This is a foot problem. Right. And as fitters, like we're not, we're not podiatrists. Um, you know, we're not doctors. I definitely send a fair amount of people to physical therapy. Um, and uh, I definitely, uh, there's like a couple like, not like exercises, but like people I will like, you know, tell customers like, why don't you go look up like Jay DeSherry or, you know, Dr. Courtney Connolly or um, some of the others and like, look at some of the stuff they're doing for foot mobility. Um, because if you can like loosen this part of the foot up or build strength in this part of the foot, that will solve the issue that you're having in your fit, right? Like we can solve the problem in the foot. Um, so we don't have to just like adjust the boot to compensate for something that's going on in the foot. Yeah. I really like that methodology and kind of taking into account that, um, you know, as boot fitters, we can't fix everything. And a lot of times it is a foot issue that is going to hurt in every type of footwear. So, you know, you can't suddenly go to your boot fitter and expect your boot fitter to solve for A, B, and C when like your foot is hurting at the end of any day of work or anything else that you're doing. And that is when you want to take into account like a more holistic approach, like what can you actually do for your foot to train your foot to, you know, maybe use the adaptive nature of our feet to be a bit more comfortable in all of our footwear in addition to being more comfortable in the ski boots. So I think that's a really important thing for maybe some people to think about. Like I just had my first bout with plantar fasciitis and it was miserable. And then I tried to go ski in, um, September and you know my boots felt really bad and I was like well this is obviously an issue that I need to work on and so that's what I've been doing is like doing all my stretches and everything else and so I think hopefully people can kind of consider the ways that maybe they could give their foot a little bit more love or go see someone who knows a couple things about how to you know give that foot some nice stretches or whatever else may help uh, for the the comfort of our feet in general, but of course, then going into a ski boot, which is a less comfortable environment than maybe the mothers. 
Yeah. And just like, you know, understanding that, you know, if you're going to try and build strength or build mobility or anything else like that, right? Like it doesn't happen quickly. You know, it takes some time and, you know, your foot will adapt, but it does, you know, it, it's slow to happen. Like you have people come in with plantar and you can address it in the footbed, but like if it's something that bothers them like every day, you know, like in every pair of, of footwear they have, it's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe you need to make a, you know, a lifestyle change or try and work on this. Let's solve this problem. So we're not just like trying to solve the symptoms, you know, every time we're trying to address your fit issue in a different pair. Yeah. I think that's really helpful and something that people can keep in mind as they put their ski boots on for the first time this season and maybe feel a couple bots that aren't feeling too great. Um, so aside from that, I mean, is there anything as far as this like sort of run background that you've now kind of built your ski boot fitting methodology out of that we could touch on as far as custom insoles or other things you're doing um, maybe throughout the fit process, aside from just helping people train their feet, but maybe some other things that you're doing, kind of taking that process from start to finish that maybe are informed by your background in running. Um, yeah, like a little bit with the insoles, I think. Um, uh, like I use, I use, use different types of insoles. Like I personally prefer to use DFP. Um, and that's just cause like it being like a, what I call like a reductive footbed, right? Like you like you mold them and then you sand material away. You get a, I think you can customize like a little bit more depending on how you're doing it. But it basically just means like, I'm going to build footbeds weighted always um, because that's the natural position that the foot is in, right? Like if I do that unweighted, and you stand up and you have, you know, really bad pernation on one foot. Like I want to, I want that to be in the, in the uh, insole. Like that's how you've adapted to walk. Like I want that to be present um, in your natural stance in your boot. So like, I'll always do them weighted. And that's kind of like one of those things again, where like, yeah, you use, you lose power transfer, um, you know, versus, versus building like an insole, you know, that's a little more race oriented, but it means like I can keep my customer or keep my athlete in their boot for another three hours. Um, Awesome. You know, if I can keep that foot a little bit more stable when they're ripping through crowd way too fast, like awesome. You know, that's, that's super helpful to them. So I think the biggest thing is just the, uh, you know, weighted versus unweighted footbed. Um, you know, that's always a hot topic. I think in any, in any boot room, um, depending on where you go. Get a bunch of boot fitters together to talk about that. That's going to be a heated debate. Yeah. So that's that's uh, the whole point. Yeah. And I think you and I have talked about that a whole lot. And so I think rather than like getting really hung up on one methodology being better over another, um, you know, it's really about people finding what has worked for them or what might work for them given their, their situation. And I think we're going to dive a bit more into that as far as like how subjective this entire thing can be. But I just wanted to hear about the, you know, your approach to custom insoles, because I do think it's interesting given your background and then also like what purpose you're building ski boots for. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of the distinction that is interesting to be made is like how this can be applied to different types of skiing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I mean, takeaway, I guess, is just like weighted and then planted. Um, like I want to be able to put my insoles flat on the ground and I don't want them to roll at all. I want them to be totally flat laterally. Um, Cause I want that foot settled completely like at rest in the bottom of that boot. Um, whereas like, you know, if you have a little bit of lateral roll in the footbed, like, yeah, you can get the edge faster for sure. You know, different approach, but yeah, basically just, you know, flat and weighted. And then let's, uh, I don't really like to, like I will fit people in different shells. And then once we find something that's pretty close, then we will build the insole and then put the insole in and check it. I don't like building the insole first and then 
finding a shell that works around the insole. And the reason for that is that, right, like if I put someone in a, if I put someone in a shell without an insole and they're getting pressure on the medial malleolus or the navicular or any of that stuff on the inside of the foot, I know that I can like lift some of that away from the side of the shell with the insole, right? Like when we put a little bit of arch support in there, we're going to get them off the side like a little bit. But by seeing that they are already touching there, that tells me that like when that arch is super overloaded, maybe under impact or under like really high load through a really high speed turn, it means that like that is that is the point to which the arch might collapse, right? Because um, we're going to build the insole to where they are when they're waiting. Um, and so even though I know I can solve that problem in the shop with the insole, I want to make sure that they get that, that they don't have contact on the side of that shell when they are in an overloaded situation, you know, high speed turn or an impact. Um, so I'll always do the shell first, find something that's pretty close, then use the insole, double check everything. And then if we still need to adjust, of course we will. But that's kind of the other thing, I guess, that's a little different. And that does involve like putting more shells on your feet for sure. But getting the shell fit as close as possible, then adding the insole, then we worry about everything else. Then we worry about molding and everything else. But you know, kind of getting those out of the way first, I think, is really important when uh when you're fitting for like a you know more off-trail riding or more free ride, is because like we need the boot to work under ideal conditions and we absolutely need the work to not only just work but perform you know, ideally in conditions that are far from ideal, you know, nasty, firm, chopped up, bad snow that someone's skiing with poor form, high speed because of, you know, whatever circumstances they find themselves in, right? We need the boot to work just as well there and be comfortable while we do it. Um, and if we give up a little bit of, you know, a little bit of performance, like that's acceptable. Yeah. And just putting into perspective, you know, when you're sitting down with someone and they're on the boot bench, you're looking at them, everything's in a very controlled environment. Um, they're then going to take that out to the mountain and there's going to be so many factors like you've just mentioned that might be affecting different aspects of how their foot is reacting and how that um, you know foot reacts under pressure and everything like that. And so I think having this kind of controlled environment on a boot bench is one thing, but then also being able to take all the different variables and think about how it's going to react when it's truly the least ideal conditions on, you know, some really gnarly terrain. Um, That's really interesting. And so I think that definitely gives me something to think about and probably other people as well. That's where it gets, that's where it gets weird. You know, like that's where, that's where you, that's where, you know, we always like say, you're like the best time to test the skis in the worst conditions for that ski. Right. Cause that's when you learn the most. Yeah. We love that at blister. We're like, Oh man, it's like some heinous crud and chop out there today. Let's, let's take these skis out and see what's really going on. So that's a fun one. <laughs> awesome. Um, so then I know you've mentioned that you fit the Moment athlete team. And I'm curious just to hear a bit about how that process goes. I mean, are these people who have really strong preferences one direction or the other when it comes to their, you know, boot fitting um, and maybe things they like more than another? And you're like, I don't know if that's actually how we should do it. Or is it just kind of like a real collaborative process most of the time oh yeah i mean it kind of depends like and i don't fit all the guys i just fit a few of them um like the local the local guys and you know some of the staff here at the factory too i think some of them are like have a pretty good idea um i mean like luke for sure is like really really particular about like uh what he wants and what he likes um and there's a lot of stuff like fitting 
I always like joke about his, fitting his boots because he goes through so many. But like, there's a lot of things with him where it's like it's not something that's like wrong with the boot, but it's something he doesn't like. Like, oh, this has too much room over the top of my toes. Like his foot can't move, but he wants the sensation of being crushed on the top of the toe. It's what he is accustomed to, right? It's like with athletes and stuff, you definitely get some some preferences that are pretty strong. Like I had uh, I had one guy uh, this last year, um, and he's been in uh, a Solomon or a Lang for a long time, and we put him in a uh, put him in a Dalbello, um, which is obviously like a big transition, like going from an, a two piece overlap into a three piece cabrio. Um, you know, it's a, not only does that feel very different, but it skis very different, you know, mechanically and. It was like an adjustment for him for the first bit. He like he was like these boots are definitely more powerful, but he like constantly felt like the boot wasn't tight enough to the point where like he was breaking buckles because he was like he was trying to crank them down so hard to feel super secure. Um and like what it was actually going on is like that's just the first time he'd skied in an intuition liner. Um you know, and it's like that break-in period sucks. Like we all know it sucks. Um, but, you know, it's a different sensation, like being hugged by that stiff foam versus like the plush foam that you'll get in like a, you know, a Lang RX or a, or a Solomon, uh, you know, S-Max was what he was in before. Um, so sometimes there's stuff, right, where it's just like these preferences you have to overcome. Sometimes you're chasing performance um, and sometimes you're chasing small tweaks that like uh, an athlete kind of describes like, oh, I have this problem. I want better performance in this situation. And you're trying to figure out like how to get them there, you know, with with only that information and like what you see on the on the foot. Right. Like that's that can get a uh, pretty interesting, but it gets pretty fun fitting the athletes. There's definitely some weird some weird stuff that goes on. Yeah, that's that's funny. I mean, they definitely know what they like. And sometimes it's just like, all right, well, here you go. If that's giving you what you need, then get after it. <laughs> it's also like amazing, like never ceases to amaze me, like what they can get away with um, and still ski at the level they're at, right? Um, like the first time I like fit Tyler Curl's boots, um, the night before comps, he would go out behind the hotel, find the dumpster, take a bunch of boxes, like cardboard boxes up to the hotel room. And he would trace his feet and cut out like several layers of cardboard and stuff them into his boots. And then like, just keep them unbuckled until he was ready to drop and just crank everything down. So there was like no movement at all. And he would do his run and then he'd pull the cardboard out. Oh my gosh. Um, right. And Ho- like hotel made shims. Yeah. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Like this is just like next level stuff. Um, and like, you know, he's still performing super well doing that. And, you know, for Tyler, it was like uh, a little more hands on with Tyler. Cause like Tyler's here all the time, but it's like, okay, you know, for the type of skiing you're doing, we should probably be looking at a different type of boot, uh, like different architecture than just like a, you know, standard boot. And he was skiing in like, uh, he was skiing in the old ghost. If you remember the ghost one thirties, oh, yeah. um, like constantly trying to find them online. Like that's like kind of a joke. Like that's one of those boots that like you find a new pair of those, like, you know, jump on them. Like, um, and unfortunately yep. like now the, sh- the shelf life starting to get a little gnarly since the last year they made them. But, um, you know, that's like definitely something, uh, that, that was sought after, but like when him, when we like put him in a new boot, like, uh, you know, we sized him down a full size, but he had been, he'd been sizing up cause his instep's so high 
and his, uh, you know, the width of his foot is so big. Um, and for him, it was kind of like, well, we want a different architecture of boot to allow you to ski the way that you ski. Um, cause Tyler's like not arcing perfect slalom turns, right? He's smashing through crud, dumping speed and redirecting, changing direction, and then going pretty straight again, right? Or big, big turns. Um, and almost all of that skiing is through crud. Like that's most of what he's skiing most of the time, unless he's in POW. And so just kind of like knowing how he's skiing, knowing the constraints of his foot, he's got a really wide foot. It's like 126 last, like it's a monster. But, you know, like knowing the performance that we were chasing for him helps to narrow it down. And then it kind of becomes a kind of becomes a question of like, well, not really anything will fit you out of the box. So what boot gives me like the material and the architecture and the, um, you know, the options to be able to create the shape that we need because we're not going to get the shape we need out of the box. And like, that's, that's pretty rare for, for customers, right? Like, I think you can typically find a shelf fit that's pretty close for most, you know, a couple modifications if you need to, or rely on the shelf fit or whatever, right? But when you're like at that level of performance, right? Like if Tyler was a customer, like he'd be in a size bigger for sure, if not two. But at the like, level of performance he's at, um, it's like, no, we got to we gotta find the solution here that will allow us to get you to where you need to be. So, um, you know, we ended up like putting him in a, putting him in a Dalwell Krypton because that three piece, you know, Cabrio design lends itself better. It's a little better architecture for how he's skiing versus, you know, someone that is spending more time on trail. Yeah. And hopefully he's in a little bit more tolerable situation than his shimmed up ghost days. <laughs> Sounds like it. I mean, he's in his boots at the slot after the day. So I chalked that up as a win. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. As long as you're not ripping the thing off after one run, then that's definitely an improvement. Nice. Well, I think uh, real quick, we'll just run through a few things that have come up sort of through this series and then maybe also um, on the Boot Fitting 101 articles that we've been republishing. And so a couple things I just want to touch on is like one, how... What factors are you considering when like trying to really optimize circulation in a ski boot? I know some people have asked a lot of questions about this and of course like fit being number one, but then where do you go from there if someone just has a foot that has poor circulation? Uh, I mean, that's why like the first thing I do after like taking measurements and and shell fitting and stuff is like put them in the boot, put them in a boot that's too narrow. So you're going to intentionally like you're going to restrict stuff, right? Like that's the boots a little narrow, uh, maybe a little short too. buckle it down a little too tight. Like that's the the point of like the first boot I put on people is like, I want to make your foot uncomfortable because I need to see how you react to it. Right. It lets me gauge like how tolerant are they to pressure and pain. It lets me see like if I pull that boot off and like your whole foot is white. You have pretty bad circulation. We're going to make like pretty big allowances for that. Right. In the next boot we are to. Um, so I think like the right, the right, shell shape of course like with everything like it's kind of going to be the answer to most things right like get the correct shell uh, shell shape um and then like you you also like want a shell shape right that allows circulation without being too loose or too tight right like you can have a maybe a shell fit where you get like you get good circulation but like in order to get that foot secure like you've got to buckle things down quite a bit I would much rather put someone in like a smaller shell and run things like a little bit looser. Um, so it's kind of important to, to take that into account. But I, I really think like the most important thing is like 
put your boots on, buckle your boots up, spend some time in them. You know, don't sit, walk, move, right? Want to pump blood down on that foot. And then pull the boots off, pull the socks off and look. And like, if you can see big red spots or you can see big white spots, like that's, you have a circulation problem. We're going to chase that, you know, up the chain. I mean, I think like you guys touched on it in an earlier episode, but um, you know, it's especially bad uh, for women because um, most boots, like you guys talked about, like they're designed for, you know, um, unisex um, a men's foot, right? Um, and they might use a different cuff or a different liner. But like women typically have calf muscles that attach lower than men. And as a result, like most women are going to get pressure in the back of, in the, you know, in the back of the leg. And like that can, that can, you know, obviously like give you pressure and give you circulation problems there, but it can also just push you too far forward in the boot where you constrict something on the front. Um, so I think like looking at those, looking at those red spots or leaving your boots on until you feel a tingle. And then chasing it up the line, trying to figure out where exactly um, that that issue is, like, I think is is critical. And like, ultimately, like, fit's important and performance is important and comfort's important. But like, you don't get any of that if you don't get circulation, like, because you're you're completely numb and like you, you can't tell if anything, any of those things are there. So in a lot of ways, like circulation kind of becomes the most important thing. Yeah, that's huge. And I, I think it is walking that fine line because sometimes getting into a boot with a little bit too much space, now you're over buckling and now you're causing circulation issues in another direction because you're over buckling. Um, but good point on the women's boots. And as far as like people thinking about what's tingling, sometimes just being able to describe where that tingling starts is really helpful because then you can kind of follow those ner- like your boot fitter will be able to think about where the nerves are going and like maybe where it's actually starting. So like it could be starting in the calf, but, you know, much lower in the foot is what's actually getting the tingling sensation. And so trying to think about uh, where the nerves are and how those might be, how the impingement of those nerves might be affecting other parts of the foot. Yeah. Like a lot of times I'll have people walking around and I'll be like, are you numb yet? And they're like, no, I'm like, leave the boots on. So you feel a little numb or you feel a little tingle. And then as soon as that happens, we'll open something up, right? Like we'll loosen a buckle, we'll loosen a strap. And like, does that get worse or does that get better? Right. And you can kind of use that to like try and pinpoint pretty close like where where's this like overpressure um you know where's this overpressure happening and i think uh, another part of the circulation the circulation conversation is um that's where stiffness comes in a lot for boots right um if someone can't move the boot if the boot is too stiff for them um their feet are going to go numb even if the fit is perfect um just because if they can't move that leg they're not able to pump blood down there and the you know boot, ski boots are tight, right? Like they're inherently gonna push the blood out if your circulation isn't good enough to push, you know, push the blood, you know, back in. And you know, I see I see that like we like I mentioned, like we only use 130 boots on our wall here, right? Um and for most of the people that come through the door, I think that's great. Like I I, I only stock 130s or 110s because uh, it's easier to make a boot softer. You can pull a bolt out of the back or what have you. And the, you know, the stiffer boots typically have nicer liners, nicer components, nicer buckles. Right. And I'm kind of like, well, if you're going to spend 700 bucks on the boot, like get the nice one, we'll make it softer rather than like saving yourself 50 bucks. Right. But that means that for a lot of people, it's either too stiff and we pull a bolt out or we grind down something to make the boot softer or like it doesn't happen often, but it definitely happens. Like I send people over to REI all the time. Um, or like Evo, right? And I'm like, these are the two boots you should go get. 
or this is the one boot you should go get. Go get this, you know, go buy it from REI or Evo or, you know, somewhere that will take it back if it's unused and it's not, you know, perfect and bring it back. Um, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of like, you don't weigh enough and you can't move this boot or your calf is too skinny. You're moving too much plastic when you try to flex. Uh, you know, you, even though everything fits, like you need the 110, not the 130. Um, that being said, like most of the time, I see the opposite. And most of the time I see people are in boots that are too soft, right? And they can benefit from a lot more support. Yeah. I think it's pretty easy that for people to end up in boots that are too soft a lot of times, but it's important to draw those connections as far as, you know, how being in a boot that's too stiff might actually be affecting your circulation. So there is like a really holistic way to thinking about all this. So people can start to kind of draw those connections and not just like, you know, A plus B equals C, like sometimes there's just like a little bit more to the equation than that. Absolutely. And I think the big thing I see with circulation for, I'd say the most common thing I see is people get numb, tingly, you know, achy feet, whatever. And most of the time it's the liners packed, right? Like the liners shot and they're washing in the boot and they're overcompensating by tightening too far down. And so people come in and they're like, man, I'm going really numb. I think I need more room in this boot. And it's like, well, actually you need a new liner or it's time for a full new, you know, full new setup. Um, because you're just, you're constrict, you know, you're, you have pressure bands where your buckles are. It's like, Oh, you go numb right under the buckles. Like that's probably because the buckles are too tight. You know? Yeah, no doubt. All right. Well, next thing that we've had come up a couple of times that people have been curious about is certain considerations for fitting touring boots and maybe how being in a touring specific boot might slightly change uh, the fit people are going for, things like that, and maybe just get your perspective on how, what you're thinking about when fitting someone in a touring boot. Sure. Uh, so I think that you can't talk about touring boots and fitting touring boots without talking about crossover boots because um, everybody wants the perfect boot to do everything, right? Um, and the with a crossover boot, you're, you compromise somewhere, right? You're getting up a little power, getting the walk mode. Um, you know, and you're giving up a, you're, you're taking a weight penalty to have a boot that's good in the resort, right? So if you're fitting a crossover boot and most of your skiing's in the resort, you fit it like an alpine boot. You want a pretty precise shell fit. You don't want a lot of movement in there, you know, standing relaxed. I want you to feel your toes on the front, flexing into the boot. Maybe just brush them or a little, little pressure, but not much. If someone's got that boot covered, either they have an resort specific or a crossover that is, you know, what they use at the resort most days and they want to add a tour boot. I love that. I think that that is the best solution. I honestly like for most people that like regularly tour and ski um, at the resort. Like I love people where they're like, yeah, my everyday boot is a crossover, but I also have a tour specific. Um, I think that's a, an elegant solution, right? It's like they can travel with one boot, but like most of the touring they do in the light one. And that means that when you have that AT specific boot, like you can make allowances, like your foot's going to swell when you tour. It is like you're walking all day. You're not standing in a boot and riding a chairlift. So you're going to want to fit. That's a little bit more generous, you know, like it's not, don't be afraid if you size down considerably uh, for your resort stuff, run a size bigger with your AT boot. Like it's fine. You're not skiing that hard in the back country. I promise. Like, Everybody thinks they do. We all tone it down a little bit. It's just the nature of the beast. And we don't ski heavy crud, right? Like that's where like you really need like to, to be locked, locked in. Like you can ski pow with loose boots, I promise. Like <laughs> Or like super firm giant moguls. None of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean you just fit a little bit more generously. 
you make mm-hmm. allowances. Um, maybe not a full size up, uh, but maybe a boot that's a little wider. Um, and then uh, with fitting AT boots specifically, um, AT boot liners are terrible. Like that's just that's just how it is. Um, out of like all the ones we have on our wall, the only one I really like is the Lang actually uh the tour pro like that's a great liner but like the liners that come in a lot of the other boots like they're adequate like i don't mean to say like they're they're terrible um and i always tell people like buying boots is like buying a car you're not going to throw away the tires that come on the car you're going to drive it till they wear out and then you'll put better tires in the car and the same thing is true with the boot just like with an at boot i always like tell people like understand this liner is going to wear out pretty fast and the liner you can replace it with is a lot better and like, I mean, most of this, most of the staff, most of the athlete team, a good amount of the customers, like we've got them in an awesome AT boot and 20 days in, we're putting a different liner in there, right? It's just how it is that you get better performance with that liner too. So I think if you're looking for AT boots, like don't be afraid to size up for sure, or at least go more generous in your width. You don't want to be sloppy, but like, it's okay to like have a little bit of room and like budget for a liner. Like you're going to put one in there. You're going to want that. Um, that's really important. And then the other thing is that I am a big believer that you should, you should have a different footbed um, for your AT boot because you're moving in that, right? Uh, that's going to be a footbed that's built a lot more like you're going to build something for a running shoe or a walking shoe. Then you're going to build something for just a very specific, you know, I'm standing in this boot and I'm skiing straight down. Um, a lot of people will pull them out of the, uh, pull them out of the boot, use them in the tour boot. And like that can work sometimes, but ultimately like you're looking to accomplish a different goal. You're on your foot beat most of the time. That's where you should probably be looking at getting a different, a different foot pattern, a little bit different, differently built support. Yeah, I agree. I mean, definitely having that more flexible or ambulatory custom insole will definitely be more comfortable in a touring boot. I know I've made the mistake of trying to tour in my more rigid insoles, but I now have since moved to a more ambulatory insole and it's way more comfortable. So these things are an investment, but if people are really looking to optimize their Alpine touring setup or just a touring boot specifically, it's really good to think about having maybe a little bit more space, definitely considering some aftermarket upgrades in regard to the liner because we've kind of all watched that process as far as how quickly some of those liners can pack out. And then of course, thinking about an insole that is also specific to the purpose of going uphill. Those are some good notes. The other thing I had mentioned with AT stuff is that we, and and you guys got into this a little bit in previous episodes, but like you definitely want to take into account the whole system, right? Your ski, your boot, your binding. Uh, AT boots are, you know, different than, than resort boots. Uh, you know, the stance is different. You have different, you have different ramp, you have different forward lean touring bindings, AT bindings have totally different ramp, um, than standard stuff. And so I always kind of caution people about that too. I am a big fan of like trying to keep everything pretty consistent, right. Um, just so you're not like trying to figure things out. I mean, that is what kind of led us down the rabbit hole two years ago when we uh, did the Voyager binding with ATK is we loved our skis. We build a tour version and be like, people don't like this. And then we're like, well, what's going on? We love it when we test it with, with, uh, you know, demo bindings in the resort. We love it when we test it with our, you know, our Alpine bindings, but you put a Dina fit on there and like the, everything changes, like the, you know, the geometry is totally different. 
And I think that I think that from what I see, like women are more sensitive to that because they typically have smaller boot sole lengths, like you guys talked about. You know, like getting on a DinaFit binding with a 16 millimeter ramp, uh, way different for someone in a 22 than for someone in a 28. Like totally, totally different ballgame. Um, but when you're fitting AT boots, I think it's important to consider if you have the boot on in the store and it feels like way too upright that it's uncomfortable. Maybe look at something that doesn't that is either adjustable or like is a little farther forward. Try and stay pretty consistent with your alpine stuff and do the same thing with your bindings, right? If you, you have a binding at the resort that's a you know six or eight millimeter ramp, you probably want to be in an AT binding that has about the same ramp. Because otherwise your muscle memory is not going to be correct and you're not going to get along with your new setup, even if you're using the same ski, right? Um, so the consistency I think is pretty important there as well. Yeah, that's huge. Always good to reiterate kind of thinking as far as the entire system. And I feel like the most issues I've seen in regard to ramp angle and bindings is in touring bindings. So just pointing that out for people, maybe stop thinking about the boot for a second and actually think about the boot plus binding and how that's maybe not giving you the setup that you want. And then you go into the backcountry and you're like, wow, why, why do I suck at skiing? <laughs> I know yeah. I've had that. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, that's a good one. So I think also we'll just touch on this before we close out is just how subjective this entire process can be. Um, so when taking to, into account maybe people of, you know, they have similar features in some regard, maybe height, weight, or they ski similarly, yet they might end up in completely different directions. So I think maybe you have a couple of examples that speak to this, but just trying to keep into account like how many variables are going into this process and why boots are very subjective, maybe more so than any other gear we use. Um, and so just kind of walking through like what leads to that subjectivity and why is there so many, you know, maybe different approaches to bit boot fitting and then so many outcomes related to boot fitting that people end up in that they're like, I'm happy, but maybe someone who weighs the exact same as me is in a completely different scenario. Yeah, I think like it's the the important, like the most important thing to think about with boot fitting is that like it is completely subjective. Like you can read all the gear guides you want. You can look at all the features you want. You can do as much research as you want. Ultimately, like that boot is going to feel different on your foot than anyone else's foot. Like that's, there's no getting away from that. And not only will it fit different, but it will, it will move different, it will flex different, um, like feet are super subjective um, and in boots, millimeters or miles, like there's, you know, all these small minutiae that really like make the difference. Um, and, you know, a lot of people kind of gripe about how like there's not a lot of standards in boots. Um, and like, I understand like it, it's, it's nice to have like a baseline to start from. Um, but at the end of the day, like humans are not standardized. Uh, they come in all different shapes and sizes um, and proportions. And, as a result, like you have different companies that have different approaches that cater to different, you know, different, different proportions and different sizes of people. So like, I mean, the kind of the best example of this that I can give is like, you know, a lot of people are like, well, why does this, why does this boot in a 130 feel way softer than this boot in a 130? Like, why isn't there a standard? And well, like a standard would be nice, like to have a baseline. The other thing is like, it's like, you can have two people that are the same height. They're the same uh, same height, same weight, um, you know, the exact same level of, of skiers, you know, maybe they're twins. They like took the same lessons. They're like, you know, everything's matched. And one of them might fold a 130 in half and the other one might not be able to move it. And it just comes down to like, oh, you know, 
this person's tib fib is shorter versus the length of their femur and the other person like their femur is longer than the you know versus the length of their tib fib and as a result they get a totally different lever arm they're able to flex that boot a totally different way right or you can have like same thing like two people like same height same weight and if one of them has a calf circumference that's really big and the other one has a calf circumference that's super small and they're in the same boot the person with the smaller calf they are flexing through way more plastic if they're in a you know a two-piece boot, right? There's way more plastic overlapped in front of them that they're flexing through. That boot is way stiffer for them than if you have you know someone with a really big calf. And like that plastic in the front is barely overlapped. They're not pushing through much at all. That boot's going to be way softer for them. Um, and I mean that's all just like flex, right? That's only flex, and that's like all these different things that can that can change that and. You also have like, you know, limited range of, you know, limited range of mobility. You have people that have more flexible feet versus rigid feet on different arch shapes. And basically like all of these different changes, all of these different things, all of those change how you're positioned in a boot, how you can move or not move with the boot and how sensitive you are to pressure. And there is no rule book, right? Every, every foot is different. And like what I always tell people is like, I always tell people like, I'm not a boot fitter. I am a tour guide. Like your foot will pick the boot that is right for you. I am just here to show you what to do next. Like we put one on, we get we get data, we move on, and we we repeat that process until we get pretty close. I don't start fitting the boots until we get to the point where it's like, okay, this is the closest shell to your foot. Now we can actually start fitting. Now we can start adjusting or manipulating or, or you know, getting you where you need to be or chasing a performance uh, target or whatever. But ultimately, like, everyone's foot's different and like your foot is getting is going to pick the boot and your foot's going to change over time right like just because the boot fit this season doesn't mean it's perfect next season like especially if you change something drastically right like someone has a baby or someone like runs an ironman or like whatever like feet change and so you know it's just important to like take that into account and just like know that it's it's subjective and feels like change every day. Like I always tell it to cusp when I'm telling them how to buckle their boots and, and uh, like, don't look down and be like, Oh, I'm buckled here, here, and here. Like it's going to be different every day. You go get a lot of sleep. Your boots are going to fit one way. You have a few too many beers at the, you know, the chalet the night before or whatever, like boots are going to fit totally different. Right. Um, so like, you just have to, you just have to like understand that it's subjective, understand that everything changes and, and uh, you know, be patient and like, you know, take the time to figure it out. Yep. I think that's a great reminder, not only to the extent of which we're dealing with subjectivity and just, you know, the slightly different variables from one person to the next that can make such a huge difference, but also that things change day to day. And, you know, people might have good days in boots and bad days in boots. And it doesn't mean it's like time to start over or anything like that. There just might be that factor of like being dehydrated or whatever it may be. And um, I think also, you know, throughout this process, people have kind of heard some different approaches to boot fitting or just different like you know oh i do one thing one way and to say there's not like a right way or a wrong way but thankfully there is like a more varied approach to boot fitting so that we can like have all these different people working toward solutions for people that have you know so many different uh, factors and variables going on whether it's skiing from a race approach or a brand new beginner skier getting their first pair of ski boots or, you know, someone who's skiing 100 days a year, there's just a lot to consider there. Um, And so thankfully, there is not only a bunch of awesome boot fitters out there, like working to get people as comfortable as possible, but there's also a lot of 
ski boots that can kind of cater to some of these nuances. And that's why like even things such as like having slightly different cuff height among boots can be really helpful. Um, I know that's one question we've gotten a couple of times is like, why are some boots, they have such higher cuffs than others. And it's like, well, that is great in those situations where you're dealing with someone who has a pretty significant lever arm compared to someone else. Yeah. The cuff height thing's funny. Like, and with boots too, like sometimes you're going to manipulate them a lot. Right. Um, I had a, I had a lady in here last year or two years ago with, uh, with the Solomon shift boot. Right. Everything was perfect for, but she'd come in after a tour and like, she'd just be getting crushed by the rear cuff, like just digging in her cast. And like, we literally cut the top centimeter and a half off of the bandsaw and like move the power strap down. Like sometimes it's just like, okay, if everything's perfect, except this one thing. And like, you know, you might just need to like get a little creative and manipulate it a bit. Yeah. And that's why we as boot fitters have tools that can take a, lot, a whole lot of plastic away. If totally. It needs to go away. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And that that part's fun for us too. So, well, on that note, I feel like we've touched on a lot here in this episode. We've kind of brought it full circle. Hopefully, you know, we've dove even deeper into the world that is boot fitting and we've gained some really interesting perspectives from you. So thanks for that. I am curious if you just have any last parting words that you would want to share with someone as they're gearing up for the season, maybe things they should or shouldn't be thinking about, or just those final parting words you want them to kind of take into account as they get back into their boots for the season. I mean, I just echo with uh, what Kai said last, uh, last episode, um, just that like, if you're worried about alignment, like go ski faster. Um, we're like anyone, like anyone who's on blister, like we all overanalyze, we all have that like analysis paralysis and like overthink everything at the end of the day, like it's just skiing, like just go ski. And if you forget about it all, like while you're ripping, it's probably not an issue. Yeah. I mean, like Kai, Kai said it best, but yeah, just that, just go skiing. Yeah. Good one. Just go skiing. We'll, we'll be the ones that can overanalyze. That's what we're here for. We'll, we'll get you comfortable and then you all can go ski. Exactly. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much, Fasa. I really appreciate your time today and it was great having you on Gear 30. That was awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, there we have it. Part four of our very deep dive on boot fitting. So you know that it's time for this week's edition of what we're celebrating. So this week, I am celebrating the continuation of ski movie season. Last night, we had the premiere of The Feel Real right here in Crested Butte. And not only that, it is currently dumping snow here in Gunnison, Colorado. So ski season really is approaching fast. And for some of us, it actually has already began. I know that some of my friends here in the Gunnison Valley have already gotten on skis. So that is all very much worth celebrating. I want to thank Fossa so much for joining me on this conversation, as well as all of you, our listeners, for tuning in. This is a reminder that if you are enjoying these conversations, please head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a rating and review. And I also want to thank Justin Bob for producing this episode. We'll talk to you all again really soon on many of our other podcasts, and please take great care out there. All right. Thanks, everybody.